Well, it seems whenever there are too many positive indicators, concerns of inflation pick right up again, although many of those indicators do seem to relate to supply chains resulting from a lack of supply, suggesting Jerome Powell's transitory inflation argument might be right. But then we are also seeing break-even inflation, the highest it's been in a long time. So does that mean investors are concerned it's going to be more than transitory, or perhaps they just expect that the transitory period is going to be very long? Uh, we'll look at that today, this Friday, the 30th of April, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks have been on the rise, 0.7% up for the Dow, 0.6% for the S&P 500, and 0.2% for the Nasdaq. The S&P 500 getting over that psychological 4,200 level. All indices starting well, then uh, dropping down mid-session before recovering again. So there is quite a bit of volatility out there, it seems. Ten-year treasuries up two basis points in the U.S., up to 1.63%. They were higher than that earlier, heading back to uh, where they were earlier in the month. Uh, Most European ten-year government bonds are up four basis points. German 10-year bonds are higher than minus 0.2% now. So getting back to levels where we haven't seen since 2019. And the US dollar has edged up slightly. It's up 0.3% on the yen. The Aussie losing a quarter percent to the mighty dollar and small moves in the pound and the euro this morning. An oil higher, almost 2% on Brent. Uh, could Brent get up to $70 soon? Another day like today, and it's just about there. It did get up to 68.90 today, higher than uh, we've seen it uh, before. Uh, actually, before we even started hearing from China about the COVID virus last year. And copper breaks $10,000 momentarily. So big moves in commodities, lots of moves today. David DeGarris is with us today, NAB's Director Economics for Markets in London. And he is a free man in London. He's uh, he's done his quarantine. Correct, Phil. So out of isolation, done my two COVID tests, all negative. Great. Good to go. Good to go. Just Good need to- the jab now. <laughs> and is it? Uh, d- does London seem very quickly? Is London busier than when you went when you left it just before Christmas? I said, look, I knew that the uh, the shops would be open by the time I got back. So mm. that's yeah. part of it. I mean, I haven't been into the city yet, but uh, just locally here, there seems to be a few people about. So yeah. and and the streets seem pretty busy. I don't know what your opinion is, but yeah. um, and the numbers going down. That's the good thing, isn't it? So the yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a good feeling in the air. So look, there's uh, a lot of volatility in the air in the markets, isn't there? And yes. uh, yet the news has been largely good. I mean, strong corporate earnings from Facebook and Microsoft that we talked about yesterday. We've got Amazon Indeed. very shortly as well. Uh, Q1 GDP annualized. 6.4% yes. growth, so lots of reasons to be positive. But obviously, it's as though investors are just a bit nervous about getting too excited by it all. It's uh, It's been an interesting day, Phil. Um, you know, as you said, it's been a little bit all over the place today. So stocks opened high this morning in London, uh, and that was pretty much the picture. They turned south again. Uh, as it ended up, uh, the DAX had a bad day today. Uh, and um, even the U.S. stocks opened higher, went south. Now we're into the hour of power, it seems. So mm. when you mention some of those stocks like um, Facebook, I mean, their stock's up seven, nearly 7.5% today. So um, their numbers after the market yesterday shot the lights out. So the market liked that stock particularly. There's a couple of stories underneath the surface, I think, that are worth uh, speaking about, Phil, and that's, you know, we've spoken a lot about supply chain uh, pressures down the line and um, things that are reflecting the the auto industry right now. So we've had reports already about, you know, Honda having to halt production at three of its car plants in Japan, BMW cutting shifts, 
uh, Ford reducing its earnings forecast, you know, citing chip issues. Yeah. And even Caterpillar, that stock that I've been looking at for a long, long time, mainly from the point of view of what it says about the resource industry. You know, I was looking at it closely back in 2012, the, 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 the last big resources boom in Australia. Um, their, their, their stock is uh, down over 2% today and uh, Ford stock is down 9.25%. And you think, well, demand for cars is up. People want to buy cars, but the problem right now is they can't get them. You yeah. know, so you know, that's that's the chips shortage, well and truly. So, so that's pushing up. That, that, hence the, the the temporary lift in prices. I mean, there's a lack of supply, so yes. uh, so that that's going to push up prices. Whether it's the end product or whether it's the component parts, there's a shortage of supply, which is you know what Jerome Powell's been saying all along, of course. But then everyone seems to be transferring that into well, this is going to be uh, more sustainable inflation that's coming out of this. So. Uh, you know, we so the, the the GDP price index, which measures the price of components of GDP, so it's very yes. different to the consumer prices because it'll have more of that supply chain stuff in it. Four point one percent up, uh, which yes. was quite a bit more than expected. Uh, we get the core yes. PC deflator, which will give us uh, a more consumer orientated number for for March. Uh, it was uh, it was at one point four percent year on year, but of course we had the quarterly one uh, uh, last night, which was two point three percent up. Yes, yes. So, so a, a big part of the headline number was, of course, the um, the energy story. Mm. But, but it's morphed into other areas, and and certainly, you know, we've seen that in the ISM reports, the prices paid indexes are at very, very elevated levels. You know, supply delivery issues. So it's it's been constantly reported. Now, what we don't understand yet is how long this situation is going to go on, how long will the semiconductor shortage remain with us, when will those supply chains start to free up, when will supply respond. It will it will respond, but how quickly and what's going to happen in the meantime. So it's yeah. going to mean higher producer prices. Will that be passed on to consumers? So as you mentioned before, copper's been up. Uh, we know the iron ore story, you know, that's part of that's, you know, the China story, uh, issues with supply from the major yeah. producers there. And uh, so there's Food. quite a bit of evidence of it around. Yeah. The uh, Bloomberg Agricultural Spot Index, basically measuring the price of food from 250 last August to almost 400 mm. this week, which is obviously another driver of inflation. But, I mean, also real, real worry for developing nations if if that sticks. No, cause, I well, mean, that- well, absolutely, depending on whether they're producers or, <laughs> or buyers, of yeah, course. Yeah. But um, definitely, you know, we, we've, we've become accustomed to the, the, uh, the energy story, you know, as the economies reopen and the demand for oil goes up. Now, some of that's going to be quelled by in, probably likely increases in OPEC output uh, over time. But um, part of it's the food story. And we know a lot, a lot of that is the, you know, the supply side, but we've just got an elevated level of uh, various complexes of commodity prices moving in one direction at the present time. I mean, that's the nature of commodity prices, isn't it? But, yeah. you know, and, and it, it is creating inflationary pressure um, and some of those cycles take longer to wear out so you know to run their course so things like you know the non-food type commodities um they all depend as much on the demand side so it just happens that the semiconductor shortage is happening and happening at a time when demand is really starting to lift you know we've got the stimulus package coming out that's already uh hitting the shops and spending in the us we've got the next generation eu project in 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 europe and more and very stimulative monetary policy 
for as far as the eye can see. So that's only going to make the demand situation worse before it gets better from just strictly from a commodity shortage point of view. Yeah, and uh, all of this, of course, explains why bond yields are on the rise again. Not as high as they were earlier in the month, but who knows? It hasn't stopped yet, has it? And uh, if we look at the the break even inflation rate, mm. uh, then uh, that that is uh, that, that's the highest it's been actually since early two thousand and thirteen. So that sort of suggests that investors are expecting this is this inflation is going to be around. It might still be transitory, but it's not going to be a very rapid transitory phase. <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting story that one because you're right. It is the the the, the US ten year. Uh, break-even inflation rate, you know, back over 240 now. Yeah. And people, people think, well, how does that sit with the Fed's sort of broad 2% inflation objective? Well, this one is configured on the CPI, which tends to run above the PCE core defla- the deflator, which mm. the Fed targets. Uh, so that's one, one thing you've got to take account of. But also it's a 10-year average. And when you actually look at the sort of break that up into years, it's skewed much more to elevated inflation concerns over the next few years rather than the back end of that particular profile. So it's telling you something about those, what we call, you know, the transitory inflationary pressures. Now, we don't, none of us know how long that's going to persist, but the market is making the judgment now that the longer-term inflationary expectations, people often look at something called the five-year, five-year. So that's what the five-year average uh, break-evens will be starting in five years' time, and that's been more stable than the just the ten-year ten-year break-evens. Right. Okay. So perhaps a, 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 if a I better explain that. Yeah. No, you did. So a better one to look at. No, exactly. Well, like, uh, also bond yields rising in Europe as well today. Um, so is that it's it's. I mean, I'm wondering why all of a sudden. I mean, they're up uh, maybe four basis points for uh, for ten years in mm. most countries in Europe. I mean, we are seeing things getting better. I mean, we're seeing consumer confidence increasing Indeed. a little. It's a little less negative. Yes. The economic sentiment and the industrial uh, sentiment uh, both much harder than anticipated in April as well. So I guess that could all be part of it. You know, they're recovering quite quickly. Absolutely. So you know, we shouldn't take rising bond yields as ne- as a negative thing. Mm. So from from that point of view, so you would expect over time as economies improve, the real interest rate will begin to lift again, which is which is actually what it's been doing. And rather than expecting deflation, the, the, the market is expecting the return of some inflation over time. So that was what that's what you would normally expect at this stage of the cycle. And of course, we've got a lot of upside uh, ahead of the economies right now. Yeah, well, a lot of people and companies that are borrowed would be uh, very welcoming of a bit of inflation, wouldn't they, I would have thought. Uh, Europe's Q1 GDP uh, is out today. It's going to be a negative yes. number, isn't it? And it's also, I guess it's an historic number. Do we really care? Because that was then, this is now. I think so. Um, I, I think the market will think of it as um, a, rear view mission type, or a rear view vision type number. So the market expectation, Phil, is that, Eurozone GDP might be down by 0.8%, but that would be after a zero, negative 0.7 in the previous quarter. But that's what happens when you, you know, lock down economies and you've had all the infection news. But we have seen, it's interesting, we have seen in those PMIs a, a more resilience, particularly in the service sector, you know, the high-touch industries, even despite lockdowns, despite worries about you know rising infections and so forth, so be interesting to see whether some of that flavour is reflected in the uh, the European GDP numbers today. So as well as Europe, of course, we get numbers for France, Germany, Spain, 
uh, Austria and Italy. So most of those expected to be steady or, or down slightly in the quarter. Uh, also, uh, PMIs for China, that's going to be interesting to see today as well. Absolutely. So we've seen uh, PMIs pick up recently in China after that uh, flat spot earlier. But, um, you know, I, I think the China story is a very big story, particularly for uh, for, for Australia. So uh, the market, and the, we know the Aussie dollar is quite sensitive to that number. So it, it's uh, it's particularly important. Yeah. And consumer confidence for uh, New Zealand as well, uh, out very shortly this morning. A lot of numbers aren't there today to consume, but I think we'll uh, uh, we'll leave it there for now. Great to talk. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, David. Good to have you back on board. Good man, Phil. Speak soon. And that's it for the morning call for this morning and for this week. Back again on Monday morning for NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Have a great weekend. See you on Monday.